Recovery Elevator, episode 430. I want my life to be better and I want to be happy. And alcohol is not, you know, it's just in the long run, it's not doing anything for me. And I think the more times I I realize that I don't have control over it and that it's controlling me is really eye-opening. Uh, like this? Yeah, that should work. Mix down. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Yo, yo. Mix down. Three, four. Yo, yo. Wiki, wiki. Three, Mix four, down. There we go. Seven, eight. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. Guys in the house. <laughs> I love it. Wiki, wiki. Mix down. There we Welcome go. to the Recovery Elevator wiki, Podcast. Wiki. My name is Chris, and I'm excited to be here with you today. On today's show, we have Joss. She's 34 from the Bay Area and took her last drink on December 21st, 2022. Nice job, Joss. A quick shout out to our chat host over in Cafe RE. This past week has been bananas for me, and it's nice to know that when I need some support, we have an amazing team running a ton of meetings throughout the week. Y'all are doing wonderful work over there. Thank you. We've still got room for our upcoming flagship retreat taking place August 9th through the 13th in beautiful Bozeman, Montana. On the itinerary, we have hiking, share groups, meditation, optional yoga and workout classes, breathwork, s'mores, and more. We've even got speaker and former NFL player Ryan Leaf speaking at the event. This will be my fourth time attending this retreat, and I am pumped. If you're looking to take your sobriety to another level, I encourage you to consider this event. I've learned about myself, made connections with others, and had a great time while doing it. Participants show up from all over the country at different places in their recovery, but by the end of the first day, we're making connections that bind us like family. This event has continued to be a huge investment in my recovery, and I look forward to seeing you there. To learn more and register for Bozeman 2023, head on over to www.recoveryelevator.com slash Bozeman. And now for your bi-weekly North Dakota weather report. Spring has arrived. I am so excited to finally have the snowblowers, yes, that's plural, and snow shovels put away for the season. The sun has been shining, the grass is getting green, and the ice is almost off the big lake. That makes for one happy podcast host. But with the changing seasons, it's not uncommon to experience some different emotions surrounding our recovery. I feel like I go through a version of this a couple times a year, and I hear the same thing from our members over in Cafe RE. This time of year brings outdoor sports, concerts, patios, barbecues, or camping at the lake, sitting around the campfires. While these are some of my favorite things, they do also bring some unique challenges. Challenges aren't all bad, and honestly, they're really opportunities. Now I get it, navigating situations that can tend to be centered around alcohol may not feel like an opportunity, but I promise you they are. Let's talk about the tough part of these events. It's important for me to not hyper-focus on the negatives, but if I can identify how it affects me, that opens the door for a response that's in alignment with the life I want to live. As we think of the events piling up for the summer, we might find ourselves with a bit of fear. I've been scared of what would happen if someone offered me a drink, if someone noticed that I wasn't drinking, if I had to leave early or didn't go at all. These are all pretty common scenarios, and on the surface, they don't seem like such a big deal. 
If we dig in a little bit though, it becomes a little more clear why these normal situations can be so tough. The common thing for me was fear of what others thought. Not just what they thought, but what would they do with what they thought? If I'm not who I used to be, if I'm not drinking with them, or if I'm leaving early or not showing up to things, are they going to let me go as a friend? We all want to belong. And if we're not doing the things that we've always done, it can make it feel like a part of our identity is gone. The phrasing, I care what people think of me, makes me feel a little bit middle school-ish, but humans long for connection and community. Part of my motivation to keep drinking was because I felt like I didn't know how to be myself around people. I made a direct link from their feelings about me to whether or not I fit in or belonged. To me, that's why these quote-unquote simple fears around events can feel so intense. It's not really about the concert, the barbecue, or that one day at the lake. It's the fear about whether or not I'm still going to have my community of people if I change my behavior or if I start to become a different person. All right, so that's the recognition of the tough stuff, but what about the opportunity side of things? The fact for me is I don't have every relationship in my life now than I did when I was in active addiction. I grew apart from some people, and that's just a part of this whole thing. But just some perspective though, at 40 years old, I'm also not hanging out with the same people I did when I was 16, when I was 24, or even when I was 30. People are always growing. People come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And some of those relationships that faded away when I got sober just happened to be my reason or season, folks. As I make plans for my summer events, the opportunities lie in how I choose to handle them. I can create accountability by letting people into what I'm working on. I've had some amazing friends step up for me in my recovery when I simply ask them for support. I even had a coworker pull me aside as we were planning a lunch, asking if the restaurant would be okay because it was also a brewery. Because I let them in, they in turn have stepped up to make sure that I felt supported. I got sober towards the end of summer and I let a few key people know about my decision. I had four guys who were instrumental in getting me through those early days. Two of my buddies from my military days and two guys who I was close to here locally. They checked in on me regularly and a few times a week I'd get a call and the guys would ask how things were going. They'd let me vent, they would encourage me, and they'd make sure that I was good to go for another day. Because I told them what I was struggling with, I had the chance to tell them when I was going to be in a situation that might be tricky. This type of accountability helped me to be successful with my goal of no booze. Who are the people in your life that you could open up to? Accountability doesn't mean that we need to be emotionally slutty. We don't have to share with everyone what we're going through. For me, that wouldn't have been a good idea. I relied on people that I trusted. People who had proven themselves trustworthy over time. Those were the people who were going to hold space for me without letting the whole planet know what I was walking through. Another option for these summer events is to pass on attending. That one has scared me too. The FOMO, or the fear of missing out, is a real thing. What about all the fun they'll have without me? What if they talk about me? Am I going to be missing out on inside jokes and other sorts of fun? There have been times where I've made this decision to not go. When I do this, I try to use that time to reflect on my recovery. I try to think about my why. Why have I made this choice to live a life without alcohol? What ways has my life changed for the better? What struggles have been lessened as a result of my booze-free life? 
How am I able to show up for myself now? How have I been able to show up for others? It's not about faking positivity or trying to force it when we're going through it, but it's about using some affirmations to help us get through a tough time. It makes sitting in it a little bit easier and it can strengthen our resolve. When I understand my why in making these decisions, my ability to follow through is increased. These are just two basic ways that we can approach our summer schedule of events. If you stick around after the interview with Joss, I'll do a rapid fire round of one-line tips from our online community, Cafe RE. Before we hear from Joss, let's hear from our sponsor, BetterHelp. As some of you may know, I'm a mom of two, and now that my kids are getting older, it's getting a little bit hard to find the day-to-day balance since everyone has different schedules, different activities. It's a lot, and in all honesty, it feels very overwhelming to me. It's like playing real-life Tetris. And I know that even though I have a lot to juggle, keeping my weekly therapy session set in stone and as a non-negotiable really allows me to keep my mental health in check. The tools I learn in therapy help me not only in my recovery journey, but also with the day-to-day stressors in life. My kids also deal with stress and passing on some coping skills to them is such a gift. We sometimes even take deep breaths together and it definitely helps us out. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot elevator. Recovery Elevator, please help me welcome Joss. Joss, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day, sunshine in. Yeah. Here with a friend in recovery, so things are looking up. Absolutely. Uh, Josh, can you let listeners know how long you've been sober? Um, I hit my three-month mark a couple of days ago, so a little over three months. <laughs> three months, that's amazing. The first 90 days is full of all sorts of things. How are you feeling? I feel really good. Um, there are definitely some ups and downs, uh, especially in the beginning. But overall, I I feel I feel free and I feel good. I love that word free. Fantastic work. That's amazing. I'm super proud of you. And Thank you. I'm excited for you to keep going. Uh, before we get into your story, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, age, family, pets, things like that? And most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Well, I am 34. I live in the Bay Area. I have two kitties, Olive and Junie. I'm I'm a hairstylist. Um, I just started doing that. And I really enjoy running. Um, I haven't been able to do it recently because of weather and the back injury, but um, I really, really, really love running, like jogging and running and stuff. Yeah. Nice. Do uh, do you like running like in town or trail running? Do you have a, a certain type, style? I'm so far removed from running, but I have a <laughs> lot of friends who do. Um, honestly, I, I live in a really gorgeous area that's really close to the ocean and I live next to you know a really big park so I have just an absolutely beautiful surrounding here so I get to you know run by the ocean and it always 
I, I'm always just feel very blessed for that. So I, you know, I like to do that. <laughs> I think that's very cool. Thank and you. listeners, we also want you to know that this is a animal friendly podcast and all of us joining us as well. I got a chance to see her. So if you get a pet, <laughs> if you got a pet nearby, grab them and, and listen as we do what we came here to do. Joss, let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey with alcohol. Let's maybe start from, from the beginning and then we together, we're going to walk forward. Okay, cool. So I guess I'll start with my, you know, the first time I remember being drunk, I was 14. I drank a six pack of Smirnoff ice and got totally trashed and threw up. I grew up in a super, super strict Christian household, but just, I think kind of like an unhealthy amount of strict. Um, So I didn't really get out a lot, but I was just like the type of person who just fought my way through everything. So um, my parents didn't really drink, but you know, my, my grandparents, my, my family is like pretty dysfunctional. And I think we relied a lot on um, church and stuff. My parents were music ministers. So I was in church all the time, almost every day of the week. And I went to a private school. So um, yeah, pretty sheltered, but I really started drinking more in high school, struggled a lot with depression, just, just really bad. And I felt like I was never truly validated by my family. I was just, it was just more like, you know, trust in God, trust in church. But I I really think I needed a lot more than that. And um, I wasn't, I wasn't given the opportunity to explore anything else. I got into a lot of trouble. I got uh, expelled. I got suspended. I went from private school to private school. I almost got sent away at one point. So yeah, I, you know, I, I even like, you know, I started cutting myself. I, you know, I, I was just, um, I struggled a lot with that. You know, I just, I want to, I want to dig a little bit deeper into like that first time and some of this high school drinking. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like you were kind of going through it like like you had a lot of pressure at home. Was there, was there anything that led to that first time and subsequent times? Like specifically, was there any sort of specific incident or, or was it just, did it feel like a, a bit of a rebellious streak or, or wanting to turn off some of that pressure from home? You know, I don't think, I didn't think of it as being rebellious at the time. I think I just, I just really was curious. I wanted to explore different things. You know, I, I wanted to, like, I wasn't allowed to listen to secular radio. I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter, you know, like I wasn't really allowed to touch anything outside of like the church world, basically. And for someone like me, you know, like the the first secular band I heard besides, you know, the Backstreet Boys was like Nirvana and stuff. And like, I have an older brother. So I, I, I just got super into that, like super into that kind of music. And I loved going to shows and like, you know, I played guitar and stuff. So, you know, I started a band in high school and we would do covers, you know, like (laughs) Tsunami Bomb and, you know, just whatever it was. Gosh, where am I going? (laughs) But um, I don't, I just think I wanted to like, you know, do stuff. I wanted to have fun, Um, not necessarily get in trouble, but, you know, I just, I wanted to do something other than God stuff. Yeah, I can relate to that. And just music in and of itself right it's not i mean this is more than it's not like josh you listen to nirvana and that's why you drank this is what happened <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> get back in the hymnals 
No, and I like I say that as a Christian, but like I get it. Like when we're that, when especially that age, we're trying to figure out who we are, mm-hmm. and we're growing and learning. And like I think a lot of us feel. I don't know. I, I don't want to project, but. I, I'm just going to use the word oppression from like our parents and like we're supposed to toe this line. Mm-hmm. And when we hear something that expresses outwardly what we're feeling internally, like we, we latch onto it and, gra- and grab onto it. And yeah, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think that you're alone there. We're, we're just trying to figure out who we are. And if, mm-hmm. if we feel stifled, it, uh, I don't know, it can, it can take some, some tough, some tough turns. Yeah. I know I've heard, you know, I think we've had a lot of a lot of uh, guests, and I know we've had a lot of listeners talk about cutting and, and having gone through those experiences as well. And mm-hmm. and the little bit that I do understand about it is it's some sort of control. Yeah, being able to control like what we're feeling in those moments. That that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely was not was not in control. You know, I got grounded for everything and. So I uh, ended up graduating high school, thankfully. And then as soon as I graduated, uh, I moved out just as fast as I could. I think probably two weeks afterwards and I moved on to a friend's couch. You know, I was able to do what I wanted, go out and drink and party. And I also rebelled a lot with sex as well. Like later on in high school, I, you know, I definitely had my my fun with that and i think maybe that was another way of you know like you said having control or but yeah i did that i moved to new york city for four years my early 20s um and that whole period of my life was just a well i said i wouldn't cuss but it was a shit show (laughs) (laughs) it was really crazy i i honestly don't know how i made it out of there alive i just was going out so much and drinking so much um I ended up dating this guy who uh, was, he was an alcoholic for sure. Uh, Towards the end of our relationship, he, you know, he'd be in rehab and stuff like that. But, you know, we would go out together and just, there were so many, uh, yeah, so many nights I look back on that I'm just like, I cannot believe that I did that. You know, like I've, I've woken up in, you know, a hospital before where, you know, it's because I just completely blacked out or you know, like riding my bike home that I don't remember. And I wake up and my basket on my bike is all messed up. And this is like the streets of New York. You know, I just did a lot of stupid things. And after I uh, exhausted myself enough, I moved uh, back to the Bay Area, um, ended up breaking up with that with that partner. And I just kept on drinking. Um, Something that I, I didn't notice is right before I moved to New York, my mother passed away. She passed away really suddenly. She she had a stroke and she was, she was 51. And at the time I was 21. So um, that was extremely hard for me as well to deal with. Of course, I still deal with it now, but I think that had a lot to do with my drinking and (laughs) that happening right before moving to New York was just like, I, you know, it was just, I was, I just went nuts. Those sudden losses can be, I think they're, they're tough. I mean, especially people that we, people that close to us. I mean, I don't think it's ever easy, but especially those close ones. Yeah. Um, it it definitely had me, uh, ask a lot of questions. Like I felt like, of course I I didn't understand it. Sometimes I, I still don't understand it, but at the time, you know, I thought, 
if she was gone, like, why am I here? Like, what's the point of me being here if she was taken? And so it put me in this space of like, life was just so fleeting. And like, it really was, it felt very meaningless, you know, such a, like a beautiful person just being taken away and it's all gone. It just didn't make any sense to me. And that has been, you know, I figured some of that stuff out, but that was, um, that was really, really hard for me to go through at first. Just, yeah, there, there's no really uh, a way for me to be able to describe those feelings of yeah. um, losing a parent, especially that young. So, Yeah, that would be hard. I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that. I wanted to just ask a question real quick about your, like your time in New York. You had mentioned just some of the situations that you put yourself in. And you mentioned that, like, looking back, you're like, holy shit, like, how did this, what was I doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just curious if in that four years, did you, did you have any of those reflections during that time while you were there? Like, shit, maybe I need to slow this down or stop this. Or was it, or were you just accepting of it and be like, ah, oh, this is life? Um, I think towards the end, I did feel like, you know, I should probably slow this down, especially because my partner... Well, he was he was cheating a lot as well, which is like, why the heck did I stay with him? Mm. But, um, you know, I did have a sense that I needed to slow down, but I don't think that I thought like, oh, I have a problem, which is stupid because, you know, I I would take like four shots of whiskey before, you know, even leaving the house. Um, he would drink in the mornings to warm up, you know, when it was cold anyway. But <laughs> so moving back to the Bay Area, I. Uh, started getting close to a group of friends that they're actually really good friends of mine. But in the beginning, you know, we were like drinking a lot, going out a lot, doing a lot of Coke, you know, going to house parties and staying up until the sun came up and just being like totally hammered. I mean, it's just <laughs> my friends and I were just talking about mm -hmm. this the other night. Like, you remember when we used to like do this and we're like, oh, we're so tired now. Like, that's it's crazy that we did that. But I got to the point where, you know, I worked at a, uh, I work in like restaurants, bars uh, before doing hair. And, um, you know, I'd work in the mornings and I would pour myself a, a whole pint of like a really strong IPA in the mornings just to, you know, calm my anxiety. And sometimes I'd even have two, like right in the morning, I would, yeah, I just drank a lot, like a lot, a lot of red wine. I would, you know, grab, you know, a coffee cup full of red wine and like take it as a roadie on the way home, like almost every single shift. I had this really bad habit of getting wine drunk and then romanticizing, you know, like putting on my headphones, listening to like Kate Bush or something, taking out my journal with the candles on. And like, I would just write in my journal and I would, I couldn't even really see straight. I'd be like closing one eye and trying to write in my journal. You know, it's just, it's just a stupid, it's just a mess. And that journal I, is honestly, I, I had noticed over time, I would only really write in that journal when I was drunk. So that's been put away. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so I'll go towards like pandemic years. Obviously my drinking progressed, um, you know, switching to the box boxed wine um like i remember at one point i was at the end of the box of wine and you know you grab the bag out because you yep. know did you miss a drop of that <laughs> wine and i was like oh i'm sure i can you know finish this 
And I ended up pouring it into my wine glass and it filled to the brim of red wine. And I was looking at this wine glass thinking like, this is the biggest glass of red wine I've ever poured myself. And I drank it and I just kept, I just drank and drank and drank and drank. And I just, I think I, I, you know, I'm doing, I was doing just a lot of self-medicating this whole time, just so much self-medicating. And I was not, I was not addressing my pain and my issues and my hurt all the way back from my childhood and losing my mother and taking some, some time away from alcohol for these three months. I see how hurt I am. Like just my soul. It I I just need to give myself like a, a big hug because all of this drinking and just I'm just hurting. You know, I'm just like a part of me is is crying out for help. And I'm just like, drink, drink, drink. <laughs> red wine will help. You know, I'm stressed yeah. out. Drink some red wine. It never helps. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't really like in the long run help anything. I think sometimes we, we think that alcohol is that, that big hug that we need. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, we can carry around that pain and that hurt that you were talking about. And we don't, we don't know what to do with it. And we just, we, we feel stuck. And if, when we find this thing that provides some sort of a relief or, or an Mm -hmm. escape, it, it, it can take us out of that for, period of time we you know obviously we we ignore the consequences of this thing but yeah i like that you said big hug and i think that's what it's that big ass glass of red wine and squeezing you know i i wasn't a huge (laughs) wine drinker but but as soon as you said like yeah i've ripped open many a box of franzia to make Mm. sure that i'm getting every last drop out but yeah it's Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like that hug it's that missing for the time being it's that missing love and affection and and i don't i don't know that it gives us love and affection but but we at least it stops that hurting for a little bit Mm -hmm. and you know you mentioned earlier that the journaling and that's man that is such like a relatable relatable thing is just being in that there's that that state you know inebriation i think has different states but there's that point in it where we have that, and I think you said the word romanticized too. Like we have this fantasy of like I'm the I'm 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 an artist or I'm I'm this or I'm that, and it's not. And we look can, at me, like yeah, I'm in my journal, and <laughs> we can be those things. Like we, I think we are those things. But like in that moment, it's just man. Like when you were describing that, I'm like, yep. There's a lot of times that I was this tortured soul in my garage, chugging Miller Lite, just thinking that I'm something else. And I can be those things. I'm not trying to poo-poo on that. Yeah. But like in that moment, it, it, I was doing nothing to <laughs> to be any of those things. But. Yeah. It it just, it, it feels really silly um, looking back on it now. But at the time, it felt really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What what did the pandemic just briefly just to, to kind of paint the picture? What did those pandemic years look like to you in, in terms of like were you able to work? Were you able to have any sort of community? Were you pre-isolated? Ooh. Well, um, I was working at a bar. I actually just stopped working at this bar, but I worked there for four years. And we had about since the everything shut down in March 2020, um, we took I think it was like maybe a month or two off. And then we started, we opened up again to go to do um, 
you know, to goes. And then we started building, building the parklet and all that stuff. So I was actually back to work pretty soon. So I worked through all that craziness and it's, it's wild looking back on it. Um, and, and being a part of that, uh, like service industry during, you know, peak pandemic, uh, quarantine times, uh, just, just wild. Yeah. And of course we were all, I remember when we went back my first shift back and they were like, Hey, we're going to go to this bar. And I was like, this bar. And they're like, yeah, they have this parklet and they're open till two. And they weren't supposed to be open till two, but it was like this really old school bar. And we went there and I was just like, what is going on? Like there were all kinds of people out and they were all getting hammered, you know, but yeah, we were all just drinking, you know, the, the bar, uh, you know, service industry people were just, you know, finally we're, we're working together during this pandemic. We're all suffering and we're all just drinking. Mm-hmm. We're fretted about it. You know, we're all just drinking like crazy. You know, this hasn't occurred to me until like this moment, but working in service during that, during that time, I think a lot of us have experienced, you know, having a bartender or server, it's like a, a former counseling <laughs> I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know that that would be prescribed, but like you hear, you hear a lot of people's stories. You hear what people are going through. Yeah. And I just think of like the amount of suffering that collectively as a society we were going through. And if, if people are able to, to get to a bar, like, I don't know, did you, did you take on a lot of people's burdens during that time? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I think that that is something that has just always happened. Um, and I think it's not necessarily just people telling their stories to you. I think it's people taking their stuff out on you, um, being rude and, you know, needy and just whatever their problem is. Um, but you know, that that's nothing new. I, I think during the pandemic, you know, times we were thinking that people were going to be nicer and maybe tip more, but surprisingly, that wasn't the case uh, a lot of the times. So, um, yeah, I think it generally same same ish. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just had this weird this weird question. I was like, oh man, that like just the burdens, like hearing other people's burdens, and yeah, people were things things were ugly, and in, in <laughs> some cases still are. And that's, I mean, that sucks that 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 folks would take that out on the people who were taking care of them. Yeah, everyone should be really, really nice to people who work in bars and restaurants. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right, Joss. So let's get into like the last. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, going like transitioning to box wine during the pandemic and just having that realization with that giant glass. And let's talk the last, you know, the last couple years. What what have they looked like and, and what has brought you to 122222? Well, so right before the pandemic started in January, 2020, I decided to start school. Um, I went to cosmetology school um, and then the pandemic hit and we had to transition to virtual. Long story short, you know, I ended up doing a lot of schooling. Um, The drinking continued, yada, yada, working and whatnot. I think the past, I would say the past couple of years, I have been kind of Sober curious, you know, listening to podcasts. I remember this, uh, there's this podcast 
that I would listen to, there was this, there was this person on there and she was telling her story and she, she described, um, she said, being sober, not drinking, she, she looks in the mirror now and she said that she, she likes the person that she sees in the mirror. And it hit me so hard one time I was driving home listening to this and I kept rewinding her say that. And I had just tears, you know, I was crying because I wanted that so bad. Um, and I think, I think I knew it was getting near a time where I had to get my stuff together. Like I really needed to like, you know, I, I have, <laughs> I'm, I'm engaged now. I have a fiance and, you know, he has spent so many nights. We're both on the on the couch and you know i finish a bottle of of wine and i go to open another one and he'll just be like do you do you need you know do you need the other one and i'm like yeah and you know so many nights of just him watching me just drink myself stupid you know and i've disappointed him i've disappointed friends and i just i think i'm just like i know i'm not old but you know i'm 34 so i'm older i just feel like i'm getting tired Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want better things for myself and, and I want my life to be better and I want to be happy and alcohol is not, you know, it's just in the long run, it's not doing anything for me. And I think the more times I, I realize that I don't have control over it and that it's controlling me is really eye opening. And I actually, the, the last night that I drank you know, I've had just the craziest things happen to me, but it was just this night where I had work uh, the next day at, at a new job that I really want to do well at. And I, you know, I would start off like I really like Negronis. So I'd make myself like double or triple Negronis, like in one glass and I'd chug it, you know. And that night I had, I probably had like six Negronis and then I went to wine and I just got hammered and I had to work early the next day. Why would I do that? You know, why, why would I do that? I woke up in the morning and I was so sick. Uh, I was projectile vomiting everything in my body. And I was just sitting there next to, you know, my friend, the the toilet, my head in the toilet, just thinking like, I need to stop doing this. Like I had to call out of work. You know, and I was just like this, like, screw this, you know, like, I really need to get my my shit together. And that was the last um, day that I drank. Um, so I got through some pretty, uh, you know, early sobriety doing, um, uh, you know, my mother's death anniversary month, Christmas, New Year's Eve, uh, my birthday, <laughs> uh, you know, all these things. And I did it without drinking. And here I am three months later and man, I got to tell you, it wasn't easy, but I feel so proud of myself. Like I really, really feel proud of myself. I feel good, man. You know, um, if, if there's like someone listening, who's like, oh, I can't, I can't start. I can't stop drinking this week or this month. Cause I have this, this birthday party to go to, or this and that you're always going to have a reason to drink. There's always going to be a reason to drink start, start today, start tomorrow, you know, just, just go for it. If you're thinking about doing it, just go for it. And you know, you're not, you're not alone. Like we're, we're, we're here with you. I'm here with you. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you, you hit it pretty hard with your, you know, that first three months in terms of 
the holiday season, you know, the, the anniversary of your, of your mother's passing your birthday. That's, that's a lot of shit to cram into your first 90. Oh yeah. But what, like what <laughs> beautiful proof for you that, you know, Hey, here's three things, you know, a, a few things that are in, traditionally incredibly difficult to deal with. And you banged them out right away. I did. I sure did. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was going crazy, but <laughs> I uh not that my opinion matters or means shit, but like I just want sure like does. I want you to know that like I'm proud of you too. That's freaking amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know I know my my first 90 sucked too, but I didn't have all of that. So mm. nice job, sister. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I loved um I wrote down I want better things for myself. I love that. And it's, we say this all the time and I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. It's going to be in this episode too, <laughs> that we have this idea that we have to like, before we quit, it has to be X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there's bridges or doorways and brown paper bags. And the, the two of us sitting here, like that wasn't our story. Like maybe we've both ripped the bag of uh, wine out of a box of Franzia, but it wasn't a brown paper bag, but just wanting something better for yourself and, and having that awareness that, that uh, you, what you said too, is that alcohol wasn't serving you. And like, that's enough. That's enough to make that decision. It should be, but it's, yeah. it's really not, it's just, yeah, it's not an easy decision. It's not an easy thing to do, but it does get easier. Like, you know, working at the bar, I was like, what do I, I'm not going to have my after work glass of wine. Like, what am I going to do? But it's like, um, just don't have it. You know, now it's like easier and, and it gets easier. You're just in a, you're just in some really bad habits and you just got to be patient, get yourself out of them. You know, like I said, it's not easy, but it's, you can do it. You can do it. And you're, you're worth it. Like you're absolutely worth it. And I, I didn't mention this, but I, I, um, actually went to a few AA meetings, um, when I first started not when I first stopped drinking. Um, and I had a friend, um, I'll call her Jay. Um, she went to me with my first in-person AA meeting and she was like, this is a really weird meeting. Like, I hope this doesn't deter you from coming to more meetings. And I was like, no, it was great. Like I cried, you know, listening and just being around those people, it felt so, uh, validating and, the community, like the AA community, I know it's not for everyone. And like for someone with religious trauma to say this, like it doesn't, it's not like all about, you know, God, it's, it's like higher power. And for me, it's the community. Like everyone is so welcoming. And, you know, if you find a group that you don't, you don't get along with, like go, go to a different one. And, you know, there's women's uh, meetings on Zoom. Um, I found a couple of those that are really great. And they're, they're just so sweet and so kind and so supportive. And, you know, if you're feeling lonely, dang, go on one of those meetings. There, there's also an app that shows you AA meetings. It's called Meeting Guide. For anybody looking for that, um, that's really helpful. And I also want to shout out, uh, you know, Reddit. I found a really awesome subreddit, like a Reddit group um, and just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful community. Um, I just cannot believe how much generosity and love and kindness that I have been given from strangers. And it just makes me feel so hopeful. 
Like if, if you're losing hope in hum- humanity, like get yourself around, you know, some, some sober people, the sober community, man, they are just great. <laughs> I love that so much. That is, I say all the time about like our online community. It's like this anomaly in on the internet, because if you, if you look at like Facebook is full of just so much junk, it's the worst, but yeah. like in this little corner of it, in this little protected corner, it's, it's full of like protective and like loving, caring, compassionate, encouraging, kind people. And I think that's, you know, like you said, you've, you found that through in-person AA, there's online AA. And again, and I love that disclaimer that you gave, like, it's not for everybody, but try a few meetings and uh read it and these these you know i've been i've read through a few stop drinking subreddits and and there's just um, mm-hmm. i think the common thing is just getting ourselves ar- around people who who know what we feel yeah you know not not everybody you know it's like my partner being like well can you just have one or two and and just stop there and i'm like no i can't like you can but i can't like i just can't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God bless these people who support us and love us and, and want to try to understand. But it's like, yeah, no, that's not, this is not how that works for me. No, not a chance. You said something. And I think there's, I, I love all of our guests. There's something really special about folks in that first 90 ish uh, mark because it's, it's so incredibly fresh. And I know that there's people, people wondering, you know, like you said, you had, you know, you working as a bartender that you had habits that you're going to have to change. And I was just wondering if you could share like what has worked for you? Like what habits, what are some habits that you've had to change? How did you change them? Like what, what have been some valuable things in the past three months? What, uh, like how have you worked through making some changes? What does that look like? Um, I would say the first month was really hard for me, a lot of, a lot of emotional ups and downs, um, especially with, you know, the time of year it was and, and stuff. But I think, you know, getting rid of all of the stuff that I would want to drink, because like my partner still has a full bar in the house, but I'm not really tempted by that. I stocked up on liquids, uh, you know, sparkling water, diet, you know, diet sodas. And I really like this uh, N.A. beer brand called Bravis or Bravis, something like that. I don't know if you've heard of it. They, their beers are so good. Um, they have this peanut butter stout one that I, mean, I look forward to drinking it after work. And you know what I find after a day of work, instead of drinking, you know, I'll come home. I'll have my little N.A. beer and maybe I'll have two. And I'll, and I'll be tired and my body will naturally go, you know, I am able to go to sleep instead of knocking myself out being wine drunk, you know, and I'm just starting to feel uh, these natural feelings that I'm supposed to feel. Also, you know, I told my friends, my friend group that I'm not drinking. At first it was dry January. Um, and then I was like, I'm going to keep going. Um, so for the most part that has been respected if you know we're hanging out but you know allow yourself to say no to social you know obligations or you know situations um get yourself an escape route i learned this one you don't have to offer to be dd 
Um, because <laughs> if you are on the way over, it's fun, but on the way back, you're ready to go home and everyone's still wasted. That's not so fun. So I don't really do that. I'll offer, offer a ride there. Yeah, having an escape route, just get comfy. I got myself a heated blanket. Oh my God, <laughs> so comfortable. You know, just lean into comfort. And of course, you know, this podcast, I listen to it all the time. I'm kind of like working my way down from like latest to like oldest. Uh, TV shows, lots of TV shows. What else? Uh, lots of candy. Yeah, lots of sugar treats, you know, just comforts. Lean into the comforts. Uh, anything that that's not drinking alcohol. <laughs> yes. <Do that. laughs> and listeners, I want to point out that when Josh said was talking about obligations, there was some air quotes there because I think these are incredibly valuable tools. Like our obligations, like do we really need to be there? Sometimes we don't. We might feel like we have to go to all these events but sometimes we just got to take care of ourselves and i love like the imagery of making sure you're hydrated get something to drink get something in your tummy a little you know some food some soup some candy whatever it is wrap your treat exactly treat yourself and then <laughs> wrapping up in a, a heated blanket i think that's i think it's perfect like what a it's an opportunity to take care of ourselves like like a sick granny or something i don't know i but, lean into the granny life for sure like like what a i think that's a i think that's a perfect way to do it and we, i mean we all have different things but really care for yourself because i don't think we're doing that when we're drinking we're withholding love and and compassion for ourselves and and even in those basic like physical you know taking care of our physical needs i think that's really important yeah, it is. And I think the more that you take care of yourself, you're in a way you're also taking care of the people that love you because when you're treating yourself like crap, you're hurting your loved ones and it's stressful for them. And who who wants to be a burden on other people? That sucks, you know? So yeah. you're you're doing yourself a favor, you're you're doing a lot of other people a favor too by taking care of yourself. That's right. Before before we get to rapid fire, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit what your, you know, like you, like you just said, we can't really show up for, it's hard for us to show up for other people when we're, when we're drinking. So I'm just curious what in the last three months, what relationships have looked like for you? The good, maybe, you know, some, I know sometimes a lifestyle change can have an impact on relationships and what might, might feel like a negative way, but like the good, the good and the bad, uh, what have relationships looked like in the last three months? Well, I think my relationship with my partner has gotten a, a lot better for obvious reasons. I think that I have been a much better friend and that I am reliable and I'm not, you know, stressing everyone out with my, you know, abuse of alcohol, my work, you know, I'm not calling out of work, you know, so, so those relationships are better and I'm in a better mood. And I think I'm probably, it's nicer to be around me you know, when I'm not hungover or whatever. I think generally speaking, all of my relationships have improved in one way or another. And the most important relationship that has improved is my relationship with myself. As cheesy as that sounds, you know, like I was saying earlier, I have never been so proud of myself. 
And I have been so mean to myself in the past, but I'm just so proud of myself for doing this, for doing this, for, for doing this for myself and doing this for, you know, the people, the people I love and the people who love me. And I'm just really happy that this has happened. (laughs) And I'm just really, really, really grateful for my sobriety. I'm just, yeah, I'm I'm just, I feel like I have a new life and I'm just really grateful. Beautiful. And I love it. And you, you deserve it. You absolutely deserve it. Thank you, friend. What a (laughs) gift. What a gift to yourself and to the people that you care about. And uh, man, if there's anybody, if there's anybody listening who is, is just thinking about it, like, just take this moment in like what, what a gift Joss has given herself. And you know what listeners like you deserve this gift too. And you can do it and you're not alone. And there's a lot of people out, out there just like her and I who will sit with you and talk with you. And, and we, we are not alone. So that's so cool. I love it. I'm so, I'm just so incredibly happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, with that, we are at the rapid fire round. In 30 to 60 seconds, answer these questions. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. <laughs> Number one, what was your biggest fear as you were thinking about quitting drinking? I was afraid that I wouldn't have fun, um, but that's that's not true. I know I hear this a lot. I have a lot of fun and you know what? I laugh really hard without alcohol so it's still there <laughs> amen uh what is a positive that you didn't expect in your life without alcohol i think what i was saying about being so proud of myself i i really did not expect that what is your go-to alcohol-free drink well i like those bravas uh near beers that i was telling you about but i also like to make these mocktails with um lime juice um, maybe a little bit of like pineapple juice, sparkling water, and then I'll throw like a lemon or lime wheel on top of that. And it's just a gorgeous little drink. And it's, it's great. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Eventually it's going to be summer here and I'm going to be looking for something, <laughs> there you something go. to drink if it ever gets warm. Um, <laughs> Hang on that, there. <laughs> it's like week 20 in a row that Chris has mentioned how shitty winter in North Dakota is. Um, <laughs> Next question. What is your plan in sobriety moving forward? Ew. Um, well, I am going to continue to take things one day at a time. Um, but I'm just I think I'm just gonna work on improving my personal habits and improving my relationship with my friends and my loved ones. Nice. And I want to give back <laughs> in some way. Do some service. You you're doing a lot of service right now today what it's worth thank you <laughs> uh what is your favorite resource in recovery it could be a book an app uh, a meeting or a group anything like that well i gotta say um this podcast has been a really fabulous tool um just being able to listen to other people's stories uh feeling you know super validated in that way it's so helpful and then you know reddit like i mentioned um that subreddit uh stop drinking is incredible um they do daily check-ins uh so you go on there and you pledge to not drink for that day and it's awesome i've done it every day since i since i stopped drinking nice what parting piece of guidance can you give to our listeners who are early in recovery or thinking about getting sober? 
I would say, trust your gut. Like you, you know what's right for you. you. You know what decision you should make. And I say, just go for it. Like, you know, you're. What do you have to lose? Like, I, I think, I think you should go for it. And and if you fail, just just get up and try again. But it'll it'll be so worth it. Trust your gut. I like it. And last, but certainly not least, Joss, can you give listeners your favorite, you might need to ditch the booze if line? You might need to ditch the booze if you're checking out at Trader Joe's and the cashier asks you if you're having a party, but you're really just buying wine for yourself for the next couple of days. (laughs) It could be a clue. Follow-up question, did, did you tell the truth? No. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, big party. Lots of people coming over. <laughs> Just me and my journal. <laughs> Joss, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate you taking your time and, and opening up and sharing what you've been through. You are so welcome. It was nice chatting with you. Nice to talk to you, sister. Take care. Recovery Elevator, thanks for listening. And thank you, Joss, for coming on the show. You're going to help a lot of people today. So as I promised in the intro, I asked our online community, what is your one line tip to help someone in recovery get through an event? Here are some of their responses. Have an exit strategy. Bring your own drinks. Have a recovery friend on speed dial. Play the tape forward. That means to think about what would happen if you drank. Just leave. There's no need for extended goodbyes. Know that you're not missing out. Bring a sober buddy or find people who aren't drinking. Drive yourself so you can peace out when you're ready to go. Enjoy yourself. The story that you tell yourself is the story that you'll experience. You didn't come this far to only come this far. Be curious. Try the experience and make it yours. When it's time to go, tell them, sorry, I've got some meat in the car. Let one person in advance know. Bookend the event. That means let a sober buddy know and check in before and after. Always have a drink in your hand. You can say, I'm good if you're offered something. Bring a cooler. Lead by example. You never know who needs to see that you can have fun without drinking. Bring all of the fun, non-alcoholic drinks. Focus on being present. Enjoy the company that you're with. Just say you don't drink and leave it at that. Remind yourself, I will not drink today. And it's okay to leave early. Many of these ideas were submitted multiple times by multiple people. The most popular ones being some version of, you don't have to go, bring your own drinks and keep a drink in your hand, be your own ride home, and know when it's time to leave. One of the coolest things about having a recovery community is that we get to use each other as a resource. There are a ton of people out there with lived experience who are excited about sharing what they've done to get through these situations. If you're missing that community aspect, look up a meeting nearby or check out our website and see what Cafe RE is all about. You're the only one that can do this RE, but you don't have to do it alone. I love you guys.
dots, being the authentic you, being truly happy, none of that can happen without the in your life. Don't take my word for it. Take a look at your past. Get clear, be clear on why you're doing this, and then 